0: this episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm small business insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. On this show, we venture into the world of startups to a critical moment when aspiring entrepreneurs put it all on the line and pitch investors for funding.
1: This week, we do virtual reality on planes. As passenger in-flight entertainment.
2: You guys are building your own proprietary
1: headset? So we've built our own uh, proprietary headsets.
3: What's your, do you have patents on this?
1: We don't have patents. We have, uh,
0: so we have we're That's a problem.
3: You know that, right?
0: Today, we meet an entrepreneur who wants to bring virtual reality 40,000 feet into the air. But first, he has to convince investors he's the real deal. I'm Phil Nadell with Barbara Corcoran Venture Partners. Phil's investment firm is one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. If for some
2: reason the members don't bite, then the thing falls
0: apart. Phil is a straight shooter looking for companies without a lot of question marks.
3: This is Jillian Manis. My fund is Structure Capital.
0: Jillian is something of a legend in the world of venture capital. In her early 20s, she survived domestic abuse that left her living in shelters in New York City. She was able to pick herself up, start several companies, and is now a multimillionaire.
3: You can have the most incredible product, but if you don't know how to talk about it, you're gonna have a problem accelerating it.
0: Jillian tends to take center stage and really drive the conversation. My name's Jake Chapman with Gelt Venture Capital. Jake's investment firm has over a billion dollars in assets under management. They're going to shut you down on that name. It's definitely trademark infringement. As a former attorney, Jake brings a lawyerly mindset into a pitch. If a founder can hold up under cross-examination, he might just invest.
2: Hey, I'm Howie
0: Diamond. That's Howie, who founded the VC firm Ranch Ventures. There needs to be a moral and ethical kind of code that's, that's aligned. Howie is looking for altruistic companies He'll only go in on a startup that's making the world a better place. I'm Shiel, a uh, partner at 500 Startups. Lastly, we have Shiel Manat. He broke into the big leagues of venture capital when he sold his company, Fee Fighters, to Groupon. This isn't gonna work. You should do something else, seriously. You can always count on Sheil to say exactly what he's thinking. And he appreciates the same candor in an entrepreneur. All right, here we go.
3: It's the 14th May. Hey,
0: David. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Today's founder, David Dicko, walks into the studio. With five investors seated in front of him, it could be easy to feel intimidated. But David isn't. He has a swagger about him that conveys, this ain't my first rodeo. So, pleasure to meet you. Uh, I'm David, uh, co-founder of Skylights. And
1: we do virtual reality on planes as passenger in-flight entertainment. So. I was an airline executive working for Air France for the past seven years. And then on top of that, I was an airline pilot for 11. Uh, And I love that job. I'm passionate about it. But I left it because of how big this opportunity is
0: of finally addressing the dread and boredom of long-haul flights from passengers' point of view. With almost 20 years in the airline industry, David has experienced his share of long-haul flights. You know the kind where the only thing you can do to pass the time is watch the latest big-budget superhero movie on a tiny screen built into the seat in front of you.
1: I know firsthand that airlines hate the embedded seatback screens even more than passengers. They cost $20,000 each and they're so heavy that the airline industry spends $1 billion in extra fuel cost just to fly them around. Now VR headsets enable passengers to escape and enjoy immersive 2D, 3D, and cinematic virtual reality content on a cinema wide-angle screen. It's
0: first-class entertainment, but available to everyone. Imagine slipping on a pair of virtual reality goggles and escaping into a wide-angle 3D movie during your next flight. That's the future David is pitching.
1: We're raising $1.8 million. Um, The idea is to move from the
0: 100 flights that we've done so far to 100 flights a day. Okay, here's the thing. If you're an investor, you've heard this pitch before. VR is not a new idea. The road to riches is littered with the corpses of thousands of VR companies whose founders were sure they had struck gold. And a lot of venture capitalists have been burned along the way but they keep on coming back for one reason. Uh, Very, very clearly, virtual
1: reality is looking for its killer use case. It's found one in the gaming and is still looking for any other
0: killer use case out there. VR is going to hit, and it's going to be huge. Just no one knows when or how. It's like the early days of the internet, when everyone was scrambling to harness this amazing new technology. A lot of companies failed, but some people got very, very rich. And no investor wants to be the one who passes on the next Google. It's this tension that you can feel in the room. Here's Howie.
2: What kind of research have you done on, like have you proven assumptions and suppositions based on like, do airline passengers actually want this? Like, is it too early? Do they understand VR? Yeah,
4: I don't think so it's the kind of thing demand. that you're gonna ask people there and they having... say they want it. Oh, no, but it, I'm saying right? I'm working
2: backwards from this. Are yeah. you building something no that people content.
1: want? <laughs> The general public killer use case that we found, which is entertainment on board, is extremely strong. We have one passenger out of two, and it's, so when it's given out for free in business, we have about fifty percent uptake of four hours on average. The,
4: yeah. the question I have is like, how many people want it because they've never been in VR before versus like, like long term, right? right? So I mean, how when, many
3: do when just we, because they're interested. in...
1: Well, okay. So I mean, obviously, we don't have the depth. Of, of operations to be able to yeah. look at repeat customers. Sure. So the way that we can proxy that is simply by asking those passengers, and that's what we've done. The basic questions that we ask is, are you satisfied, are you really satisfied? Um, do, would you, do you prefer this to, uh, to seat back screens? Um, and we have about 75% of people who say yes, and of the sa- same amount who prefer
0: that to seat back screens. So bought- right out of the gate, investors are pushing on David to give them hard numbers to prove that they should take him seriously. And David is saying it's too soon to be sure. But so far, results have been strong. Tell me about the, the airlines that have done it so far. How have the pilots gone? Very well. Um, so we've done
1: it with four airlines, Air France, KLM, uh, On Your Air, and XL Airways. The uh, headsets were brought on board in trolleys. Uh, they were handed out to cabin crew, essentially free to business and first-class passengers. As a result, we had 235 minutes of average passenger engagement time. That's five minutes shy of four hours, and airlines loved it.
2: You guys are building your own proprietary headset?
1: So we've built our own uh, proprietary headsets. Wow. Um, uh, we needed something that didn't need to be plugged, that had at least six hours of battery life, that was um, very, very light to be comfortable enough that you could wear it for two to three movies. Uh, so that's what we've built.
0: Uh, so, so it's fully immersive.
4: Yeah. Good timing to uh, show us headset. Yeah, of course. Of course.
0: David hands out his headsets to the investors. They look like big, boxy, white snorkeling goggles.
3: Oh, I like this. This is actually great.
0: Once they're strapped on, our investors are each inside their own private theater as a montage of movie clips flickers on the screens.
3: This is yeah. a little heavy on the face to so, watch for three hours. So it's very
4: light. You have... <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> on my nose, on my face. It's, it's
4: light relative to VR headsets. It's heavy relative to what else was on your nose before. It's, 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 yeah, it's way need, lighter than the other We need to, we need to
1: adjust it um, for you and to because analogy. it's very important
0: to have it properly adjusted. So if it's not, if it's too loose, it'll hang on your nose.
3: Right, it was yeah. hanging on my nose. Yeah. Okay. And if it's
0: too with the headsets properly tightened, the investors seem satisfied with the experience. They pull the VR goggles off and start digging into the product.
3: So, what, so this is an IP? Your, do you have patents on this?
0: We don't have patents. We have, uh,
1: so we have... We're, That's a problem.
3: You know that, right?
1: Well, uh, let me put it this way. We're not a hardware company. The heart of the technology is not patentable. We basically commit to the airlines to use whatever hardware works. I'm in the business of making sure that passengers love the virtual reality experience.
3: So, and what was the content? You produce the content yourself? No,
1: we're not producing the content. So we're 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 licensing the content, and there's two types of content that we're using. On one side, we're using traditional content, so 2D movies, 3D movies, and TV series, and we have a worldwide distribution agreement with 20th Century Fox and DreamWorks for that. But we're also now experimenting with cinematic VR. So we're looking for content that has a strong center of attention in front of the passenger. All
0: right. So David said Skylights is a cinematic virtual reality company, but we're not going to make the VR headsets. And now he's also saying we're not going to create the VR entertainment. The investors are starting to look a little puzzled.
2: Down the road, you're going to license the hardware, you're going to license the content. Yeah. And what's your business? Right. Content management software. We secure the content licensing deals. We write the
1: content management software. And we uh, source and design the headsets, make sure that all of this works together and setting up the operations with the airlines.
0: The way David explains it, he's basically created an in-flight version of Netflix before they started producing their own stuff. Skylights assembles an entire catalog of studio movies and TV shows for passengers on long-haul flights. So you're a VR content management software platform? We are a VR, yes. So they're really Uh, not.
3: Are you really? Because you are just, 20th Century Fox or even the VR manufacturers Mm -hmm. can be doing this, right? And just say, we will provide you with our headset, with our... It takes five
1: activities So uh, this is how I would think of it. To do what we need to do, you need five different things that are aligned. One is you need to have the right content, and that's very important.
0: Two, you need to secure
1: the content. Okay,
0: bear with me, because this gets a bit complicated. To get investors behind Skylights, David first needs them to understand a pretty detailed plan. For VR to work on planes, he says, Number one, you have to have good movies. Second, you need to have headsets that people won't be able to steal those movies from. Third, you need to get the airline regulatory agencies to sign off on those headsets. Fourth, you need the operations set up on the ground to support everything in the air. And then finally, you need to package that and sell that to airlines.
1: Let me tell you, Samsung is not going to do that. Um, Netflix is not going to do that. Um, And so very, very strongly, we are in a position, this is our point, we are in a position to within the next 2 years to become the number 1 virtual reality entertainment distributor in the world
2: explain to me how the current model works where these content providers or work with the airlines yep. to provide you know movies TV shows you know i'm thinking of virgin red or every airline has How's these work? deals what does that business model look like and could this conceivably be a conflict of conflict of interest for those companies that spent a lot of money to be, have their, you know, movies okay. shown on a flight, and now there's this new, you know. So, short answer is no. Here's, here's the current business, how it works. You have
1: the hardware providers. Then you have three intermediaries between the airlines
0: and the, the original content owners, which are the studios. According to David, in order to get movies to those seatback screens on airplanes, first, an airline must wade through several layers of bureaucracy. It's a highly monopolistic
1: area where there's a big value that's being eaten up by these intermediaries. And what we're doing is we're going straight to the content owners, the studios, and bypassing everyone.
2: Because David wants to be the link between the studios and the airlines. So you're a disintermediary, I get that, but yep. it, aren't these other... So there are, there are it, competitors. Aren't these incumbents going to be pissed off and fight like hell to, oh, yeah. to try to shut yeah, you no, down? Let's be clear. Because let's they be have clear. all these… We're
1: competitors to Talos, to Panasonic, to Global Entertainment, to, Spafax, to these to these right. intermediaries.
0: Yes. This is exactly the kind of confidence investors generally want to see in a founder. He knows his stuff, and he's not afraid to disrupt the market. But, for once, they're the timid ones in the room. So I I sort of hate asking this question. It's it's
5: just like, well, what if Google competes with you in this space, right? Okay. Because Google could basically do whatever they want to do if they really wanted to compete. The last long-haul flight I was on, they're like pushing carts down the aisle with iPads, right? And so someone is basically doing what you're doing, but they're doing it on an iPad. Yeah. And they've already negotiated these deals with planes. So if they were to see you getting some traction selling VR headsets. Yep. What stops them from using their own VR hardware? They already have all of the licensing deals. They have the operations in place, the deals with the airlines. It seems like it would be very easy for them to just swap out the hardware.
1: Yeah, so the key thing here is that we're going to have at least a year uh, head start to any of these guys um, that that may exist today.
3: You realize a year is nothing.
1: Yeah, it's okay, Okay. Okay. So, yeah. my,
3: so, okay. There are two things I'm trying to figure out. Sure. Um, one is you said you have a year ahead start, and partially it's because you have the hardware, but yeah. then that's not your business. So, that doesn't give you, to me, I'm looking for the differentiator that's actually going to give you an edge yeah. in the business, yeah. not in the hardware, since that's just, right? So, and, and what the is, defensibility. Right. And that was the next one. Yeah.
1: Okay. What we're trying to do is to make sure that we have and we showcase uh, just a premium,
0: fantastic premium VR experience to passengers.
3: So there's a very low barrier of entry. Am I wrong?
0: David is trying to argue that his VR platform creates a premium experience for passengers. But if Skylights isn't making patented headsets, and it's not making its own movies...
3: I mean, if there's any other company that wants to get into, there's nothing that you're doing that any other person can't do.
0: No, take. actually, there's a very high
1: barrier of entry. Because? I'll, I'll, I will explain. Um, virtual reality on planes is as old an idea as virtual reality itself. Everyone has thought of this use case. And every single virtual reality headset manufacturer has taken marketing pictures of its headset on an aircraft as a way to sell it to passengers. Mm -hmm. It's obvious. But what makes it still not done today is because it's really, really hard to do. To be able to have and to get access to early window content from the studios, you need to prove to them that the content that's on your devices will never, ever end up on the internet.
0: One of the only things seatback screens have going for them is that they show new releases. And according to David, the process of getting studios to let you put that early window content on your VR headset turns out is pretty hard. And for a while, this was Skylight's stumbling block. Until... We recruited our third co-founder that had 15 years
1: exactly with those skills, which was uh, licensing content deals and streaming those on mobile devices.
0: This is why David says Skylights is going to be the killer use case for VR. It has the dream team to make it happen. The only
1: reason why we've been able to succeed and where we've been able to get to the traction that we have is our team. There's no other fantastic reasons. And, and these are the three co-founders that we have in Skyless, and that's the only reason why we've been able to succeed. We could not crack the problem until we, we managed to, to have all three of us. I mean, we are the right team. If nothing else, uh, the right proof of that is what we've been able to accomplish thus far.
0: Time's up. Has David convinced investors that his
4: VR company is the one worth betting on? Here's S.H.I.E.L. I'll say I I like what you do. I think it's really cool. I fly a lot of long hauls, a few a month. Um, I think that it'd be cool to, to have a VR headset on there. Um, I'm probably not your your best use case. I mostly just fall asleep as soon as I get on a plane because I'm chronically Me too. Uh, tired. But, um, and I think that sort of what you said is, is right. Like you guys probably are the right team to do this. I just struggle with, whether this is a short-term opportunity or or a long-term, like will will we see lots of people with VR on planes? But like, totally, I think you guys are the right team to do it. And I know that like United, for example, is locked into a shitty contract with Directv on a bunch of their planes. Yep. Like you said, selling to airplanes, selling to airlines is very difficult. And it sounds like you have some head starts and you're well on your way. So I wish you well, but it's not a, not a great fit for me. So I'm, I'll pass.
2: Shields out. Howie's up. I'm totally on the fence with yeah. you, man. This makes sense. I think VR in general, you know, I stay away from VR because I haven't really found that that practical use case, yep. right? It's like we're still ways yep. away. From, you know, there's entertainment, there's gaming, but it's like, I think there's some really cool stuff in the future that's going to happen with like in-home VR, where this becomes like, just like you have a video game console, you have a at-home entertainment console, everyone's going to have a VR in their homes, a VR headset. But I think we're a ways away from that. You know, I think we're like, five or 10 years away from that, lowering that barrier of entry in terms of cost and also in terms of like the value proposition. Yep. But the way that you're applying it, like on an airplane, I mean, it's really interesting because I could see people who have anxiety on a plane, this could be useful for them. I know people want to be mm-hmm. kind of removed from the sort of chatter on an airplane and, and you know, distractions on an air and just want to be immersed in, in their own world for three or four hours and not think about the fact that they're on a plane. And yep. Howie's undecided. Here's Phil. What, what do you see as the total addressable market, total market size for this? Six billion. Six billion.
0: Yeah. I think my perception of you is that you have the answers. You know this business. You've done your research. You have a clear understanding of what you want to do. Yep. Have bootstrapped it to, to to get you have your own hardware because you needed to. Yep. Kudos to you. I'm gonna keep it simple. I'm in.
5: Okay.
0: I want to be in. I like this deal. How much? I,
5: it's a, how it's much are you in for? How much you read, how much you have left on the deal?
3: Five hundred. You in for five hundred?
5: No, two fifty.
3: <laughs> you in for two fifty?
5: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um I would like to just mention one thing that's I think very important that we haven't touched upon at all during this discussion.
0: Wow, Phil just put in $250,000 to Skylights. But David moves straight to making a last ditch effort to get the other investors on board. We are in this area where we have the ability
1: to distribute the first VR experience or VR headset experience to millions of people Um, who don't live in Silicon Valley, or who aren't hardcore gamers. And they're spending a lot of time in our environment, and they're discovering what virtual reality is about through us. I think there's an extraordinary marketing and leapfrog potential of being a huge VR experience distributor to people with our own brand, which is what we're doing. Trains, we've done... Pilots in trains. We had the first pilot a couple we up a couple of weeks ago in 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 France. Long distance buses, cruise ships, um,
5: self driving cars.
1: When we when <laughs> when we get there, that's that to me is the leap to the consumer place. Either you think that virtual reality is going to have a hard time penetrating the general public, and in that case, that's an extraordinary opportunity for us. Or you think that virtual reality is going to submerge the market and then in five years everyone's going to have a virtual reality headset? I don't think so, by the way. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think so either, yeah. to be clear.
3: I'm so on the fence with this. Me
2: too. Um, Guys, make a decision. Come on. Th- there's there's a lot get off of, the fence, Helen. I like this. There's a lot of moving parts, though. Damn stop, you, Shield. Stop Damn talking. Give me, give me two words. I
3: have no, no idea.
2: I really like what you've built. It's it's a little too early for me. I'm I'm going to pass.
0: So after all that, howie passes. Jake's next. I don't know which way I'm going to go. Uh but I'll start
5: talking, and maybe I'll figure it out by the time I'm done talking. <laughs> um, so first of all, I want to say that I thought your your presentation was excellent. I think you know the business exceptionally well, and you answered all of our questions really, really well. I'm, I'm impressed. So thank you for that. Um, it helps, I guess, make this a harder decision. Or maybe it would have been... Um, now you're just stalling, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> here here are my problems. My So first, I'm not sure that what you're solving in the plane is a real problem, Um I think current for the consumer, and I think that ultimately the consumer matters the most for this business. I think the the screens on the back of the planes gets them eighty percent of the way there, and this might be a little bit better, but I don't know if it's enough to like really drive change. So that's my gut reaction. Um, and then if VR becomes huge, people might have their own headsets. I don't I don't know what that world looks like, but I just I don't know if this is really solving a problem. And then my other Hesitation here is just that there are these, these other people who are handing out iPads on the plane who already have the stuff in place and they could do the business too if it took off. It's a minor concern. It's close. It's a hard decision for me, but I think I'm going to pass. Okay. Okay. Jillian.
3: I'm going to pass.
0: Okay.
5: Okay. <laughs> all right.
0: All right. So, with no explanation at all, Jillian is out.
4: Thanks a lot, David. Thanks. Thanks, David. Well, you got She'll, 250 out, out of pass? this. Yeah, you bet. Right. And that can was I the first just one. say one thing? Yes. Once, Half an hour one
3: small more. thing. When someone says, when a VC, venture capitalist of this esteem says to you, I'm going to put 250 behind you, the first thing that you should be saying is, thank you so much. And I didn't hear that. And I would have liked to have heard that. Okay. Okay. So go for it.
1: Thanks a lot. And I look forward to continuing our conversations. Great. Thanks. Likewise. Yep. Thank you.
3: And I know we're all going to hate ourselves, and he's going to do fantastic, and we're going to sit here killing ourselves. But great presentation. Thank you. I know you're yeah, going to succeed. I'll say, like,
4: I started out thinking, like, I'm going to hate this. Yes. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. No, in fact, <laughs> I no. Chill, you're so magnanimous. Wow.
3: Wow. Effusive, yeah. aren't no, you? I, <laughs> yeah. I saw you
5: at YC, and I totally zoned out.
0: David's expertise convinced one investor to trust him with 250K. But did he have enough to make it through the grueling due diligence process? Find out after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on this show and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company. It's their whole life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, David, welcome back to The Pitch. Thank you. Excited to have you back on. So first of all, tell me, what's new with Skylights? Well, well uh, <laughs> in a
1: nutshell, uh, we have um, our customers that are using uh, our service every single day. So we have passengers that are writing to us every day. Uh, uh, and that's in and of itself a success. By the end of the year, if you're flying on one of the major carriers, you know you will be Given this
0: possibility to use skylights on the aircraft, ooh, that's a bold statement. Yeah. If you can remember back to the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, like what were you sensing in the room, the the power dynamics between you and them, and what you know ultimately happened when Phil went in, and then the others waffled for a little <laughs> bit. So I remember
1: that you know this is there's this this I wouldn't call it a contentious Q and A, but I you know very clearly uh, trying to uh, show that um, despite the the difficulty of the business that we had um, the different parts and pieces. And and so I was really on the defensive during that first part. And then, of course, uh, Phil came in and uh, the questions kind of changed slightly. Phil's approach started to be, well, okay, um, this is interesting. Uh, The use case uh, is an interesting one. Um, You have an interesting team now let's let's see if if this can be a viable thing.
0: you feel like there was a tone shift in the room, like like things switched after Phil went in, and it's like all of a sudden the other investors were like, "Man, should we go in on this deal? Yeah, they took you guys more seriously
1: yep, so suddenly you know the the question becomes, well, you know, um are we missing out on something here uh and I'm on the fence, I'm not totally convinced you know what should what should I do um
0: that was, that was that was interesting to watch. It was palpable in the room, and it was palpable when listening to the tape, the tension between those three investors who were, not, who were on the fence and, and undecided. Yep. Um, we, we, I, I've seen a lot of these pitches, right, with these particular investors in the room. And I've never seen them so indecisive. They're always decisive, quick to make a decision, and very sure either one way or way another, way. in or out. Okay. Uh, I mean, even Jake saying, you know, I'm not really sure, but I'm just going to start talking and see what happens. Yes. yes. Uh, He's never said that before. Why, why did that happen to your pitch? I,
1: I I was discussing this with my co-founder yesterday and I was telling him, um, you know, you, you and I went into this business, into this venture that's, that's really complicated. <laughs> it's very complex. With every single investor that we were um, you know, involved with, um, we've had to fight this hesitation throughout uh, the entire
0: process. Well, and it felt like you, know, you, like you had good arguments, you came back. But ultimately, what you had to fall back on was, trust me, we know what we're doing. Yes. That's
1: a big... That's a big ask. Yeah and I think that you know one of the learnings from um all of this was what I really need to do um is we basically decided to uh cut the round short and focus on increasing our sales whereby trust was no
0: longer would no longer be uh the key thing yeah speaking of Learnings. <laughs> Do you remember the last thing Jillian said uh, after she passed? She had one bit of advice for you? Yeah,
1: was uh, to uh, be thankful and to be expressive uh, regarding uh, Phil. Make sure that uh, that Phil knew that we were uh, honored to have him uh, trust us. And I think she, she was, you know, uh, right on that. And so I was kind of, uh, stunned is not the right word, but in this very kind of pressured environment um, and i didn 't take the time to uh, to express
0: uh, that very clearly and and she was right in that all right so let 's talk about what happened after the pitch, yep. with Phil, so he committed to invest two hundred and fifty k you guys walked out of the room, and what happened
1: uh so uh, well we started we started to engage with Phil uh, by email, so this is where started to sink in a little bit that this was not the usual way of proceeding that I was expecting. Um, Because what I really was expecting was to uh, have a second meeting. And that's not what was happening. It was was, uh, straight to the due diligence package. So I prepared what I could, uh, sent that out uh, 10 days later, and then he had a lot of stuff to sort through as a result. At one point, one of his questions was, well... Just give me the rundown of your revenue over the past few months, and I thought, okay, well, what I need to do is—is is we need let's get this rolling so that we have uh, revenue flowing in the bank uh, for Phil. And so I kind of put it on the on the back burner uh, f- to to have the revenue flowing in uh, uh, for 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 Phil later.
0: And you just paused the conversation?
1: Yeah, I just kind of paused the conversation thinking, okay, I'll, I'll come back to you with, with revenue numbers um, uh, when I have revenue numbers.
0: I want to cut to the chase here. Before I talked to David, I found out from Phil that he decided not to go in on skylights because he didn't appreciate being put, as David said, on the back burner. I
1: I I'll certainly I'll certainly contact him again with those with those numbers uh, once I well, feel. Well, you p-
0: should, because he's a bit miffed. Okay. Okay. Uh, I sent him an email and he replied saying he exchanged a few emails with you, seeking additional information. Then radio silence. He says, yeah, you know, it's not uncommon. Sometimes founders <laughs> close out their rounds with other investors or simply don't want to go through due diligence with us. But then he says, I view it as a sign of the founder's character, and I'm always glad to learn about this type of thing before we make an investment.
1: Yeah, I get that, I, I get that point of view. Uh, I mean, it, there's, there's a right there and there's a wrong way to do it. And, uh, and uh, what happened was the wrong way to do it. Um, I regret that kind of radio silence. Uh, and
0: I underst- Yeah, and I understand how he feels. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like he was really interested in investing, despite the challenges with revenue and issues there. It sounded like he was still hopeful for a, a deal to come together.
1: Well, we will reach out to him. We'll see. Um, we'll see. And you know, if 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 nothing else, just to uh, to uh, to apologize for that radio silence, and yeah, let's just, we'll have a uh, uh, have a heart to heart. Yeah, exactly. Buy him a beer. Exactly. You know, it's a very human endeavor and it's a human relationship. So, you know, I- I, Investors are people too? (laughs)
0: Investors
1: uh, and founders both, yes.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure this goes without saying at this point, but my takeaway is that these relationships are tenuous and even the slightest offense can take down a deal. And that relationship begins in the pitch. It's like at the end of a first date where both people say, okay, let's have a second date. Getting to that first yes is step number one, and it's important, but it's only the beginning. These relationships need to continue with open lines of communication from both parties. Perhaps if David would have come back to Phil and said, we don't have the revenue yet, but we will in three months. Maybe Phil still doesn't invest, but it's possible he would have appreciated the candor and followed through on his investment after all. But we'll never know. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pitch Show, or send us an email at thepitch at gimletmedia.com. And if the next time you're on a long-haul flight, they start handing out Skylight's VR, let us know. Our website is thepitch.show. You can subscribe to our brand new newsletter and get behind-the-scenes stuff at gimletmedia.com slash newsletter. Thanks to everyone who's reviewed the show and Apple Podcasts in the last week. The reviews continue to pour in, and we're so grateful. It really makes a big difference for our show. So if you haven't left a review yet, uh, take a second and leave us a quick review. It makes a huge difference. We are on the hunt for new startups for our next season that will be recorded this August. So if you or someone you know is building something unique, go to thepitch.show slash apply and fill out the form. To hear scenes from next week's episode, stay tuned till after the credits. Our show was produced by me, Josh Muccio, Asta Chatharvedi, and Rob Zipko. We were edited by Devin Taylor and Alex Bloomberg. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Muse Maker, Bobby Lord, and Tyler Strickland. We were mixed by Enoch Kim, with help from Matthew Boll. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning this season two recording event last fall. And a quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Finally, I wanna say a quick thank you to the original sponsor of season two, it's worth doing right family for taking a leap of faith on us when we were just a little independent podcast all right you've been listening to the pitch from gimlet media i'm josh muccio see you next week next week on the pitch
2: when you're a volunteer football coach and you're responsible for a hundred kids that are bashing their skulls into each other two hours a day seven days a week statistically you will miss something
3: Just so you know, those kids are never going to come in on their own.
4: I think what you could, where you do have an angle, is selling to parents, being like, hey, your kids need to get pulled. Otherwise, you're talking permanent brain damage.
0: New episodes of The Pitch come out on Wednesdays, 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get podcasts. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.